We're celebrating nine years today, which is pretty crazy of how quickly that has happened. Uh, but I wanted to first uh, show you a quick little snapshot of nine years of our church um, in a quick little minute video. So if we could take a look at that. Hold on, this is not it. I'm working on it. <laughs> Good? No? No good? Maybe we'll show it later. Um, maybe we'll show it at the end. Um, so we're going to, uh, don't worry about the slides, we'll, we'll show everything afterwards. But So our birthday is something like really significant. We're gonna, I'm going to talk about, um, we've got our middle schoolers in here today and, uh, as well, and um, hey middle schoolers, good to see you guys. And, um, but this is a family affair today. and. Uh, we are, as Lisa said, taking a little break from Revelation because the next few weeks are pretty intense and uh, it's so light and airy today. Um, next week you're going to get it, honestly. And, uh, um, but, so enjoy your happiness today. And so, uh, um, so we're, we're, I have something I just want to share in my heart because I was thinking about um, birthday lists. I was thinking about like, who we are as a church and, and uh, the last nine years. How many of you guys remember making birthday lists? Right? Do you guys remember doing that? Like some of you guys maybe remember circling things in magazines or whatever. Now it's just, I'll text you the link. And like, you know, whatever. But uh, it's so fun to like create birthday lists. And I, I remember, um, I was just thinking about what some of my favorite ones, but I, I'll never forget when I got Tech Mobile 2 for Nintendo. And I was just like, gosh, this is the greatest day ever. Because like it kept stats and no game had ever done that before. And it was like so cool. But you remember these like little moments of birthdays and reflecting on what happens in between birthdays days and everything, so much changes in, in a year. And when I was thinking about what we celebrated from our eighth birthday to our ninth build, uh, birthday, I was like, man, it goes by so fast and you don't realize sometimes until you take a breath and like look, uh, like a lot of stuff happens in a year. How many of you guys had a lot of stuff happen in the last year? Wow. Yes. Like it's crazy, right? Like you start like thinking about it and it's like, whoa. And so when we sing a song like that God won't fail and, and everything else, it's like, anchoring ourselves to the reality and the truth of Jesus. It's like, man, in the, all of this, it's like he, he has not failed us and he won't fail at any other point. And, and I just started thinking about, man, there's so many things that have happened, so many unbelievable stories of transformation in our community. Uh, hundreds of people taking uh, discipleship and, and getting in close community, uh, community groups um, growing. Uh, we're watching our student ministry really uh, grow. Uh, we've, we bought a building, uh, which is pretty significant, right? And... Uh, um, we, we bought a day school, uh, a, a Hill City day school that, that's now operating. And uh, I was thinking about some of the other like, significant things that we've done. You know, the greatest sin uh, in Richmond, uh, in the city of Richmond, and its history is, is racism, right? And part of our heart has always been to have, uh, you know, a multi-ethnic and multi-racial church. And uh, it's, it's hard to do in Richmond, Okay, it is. It's really hard to do, uh, in particular, in Richmond, and we're working at it and getting better at it, and I was thinking this morning about uh, the people of color experience um, that we have here that started a few months ago. Um, we're trying to create space and the right voices and everything. It's like, you know, we're trying to work on all these different things, and like, God is moving in some incredible ways and transformative ways throughout our community, but if you pause and miss it, you miss it. You know, it's like you got to pause and like breathe and like, 
whoa, we got to see what's going on here. We got to like recognize what's going on because it can happen uh, so fast. And there's a lot to be celebrated today. There's a lot to celebrate about people's stories, about um, what has transpired over the last nine years. And um, I was telling Lacey this week that one of the things that I, I don't want us to ever lose is our scrappiness as a church. Uh, you know, when we first started, uh, there were 21 of us in Joe and Laura Miller's house, and uh, we would meet, and uh, that number started to grow a little bit over time, but for 9 to 12 months, we, we met together and prayed and, and dreamt about, like, what this could be, and uh, in the beginning, like, you're just so scrappy when you start anything, right? You'll do anything to get people in the door. You'll make sure everything is exactly the way it should be. Uh, you're doing jobs you never thought you would do, whatever. Like, we have all those stories and there's a scrappiness to it. But as you move along, like, we didn't start like this, okay? We didn't, like, all of a sudden start like this. And, but as you move along, you can easily forget about the scrappiness, you know? And it's like you can forget about being the underdog, but it's like, man, how important is it to keep that mindset in, in, in front of us to, to always want to be the, the scrappy underdog church, okay? And, uh, and you might be thinking, like, we got a lot of people. Correct. Uh, but there's so much more to do. God wants to do so much more in our church, like, God wants to do so much more through our church. And it's not just about numbers of people. It's about, like, adding depth and an understanding of, of what can be done uh, in our city. And so even, like, I was thinking about your experience here of coming in, whether it's today or any other day of the, uh, uh, of the year, it's like, man, creating a church that people want to come to is a big deal. Uh, it's not just great music or speaking, or it's like so many things. And, and to think about all the man hours and women hours that went into uh, to making all of this happen over the last nine years is something to be celebrated. Um, and, and we should celebrate, and we celebrate understanding that uh, God wants to do more through our church. And so when I'm thinking about this wish list, you know, uh, ambitious thoughts go through my head. That's uh, just how I'm wired. Uh, but when I, when I paused for a second, I was like, ah, oh, but it's not about, like, us growing, though I want us to grow. It's not about us expanding to doing different things, though I want us to do that. Um, there, there's something a little deeper going on here. See, I've, I don't know, you guys ever heard uh, the phrase, uh, healthy things grow? Has anyone ever heard that? Um, so some people use that phrase a lot. I actually disagree with it uh, because... Uh, uh, a lot of things have grown that weren't healthy. And, uh, and so we actually see that in the church world. Like it, it, it can happen, like a church can explode. And you might have seen documentaries sometimes about um, the, the failings of churches. And, and, and when that happens, uh, it's like, oh, it actually wasn't that healthy. But it still grew. It's like an interesting thing. And then oftentimes it, it falls apart. Uh, what I think healthy things do, including healthy people, is healthy people and things mature. Like you... Like, when you're healthy, you mature. And so we, we add a depth to who we are. And I don't mean we stop having fun. Like, we're, we're always going to have fun as a church. Like, we're always going to do silly things. We're always going to um, want to make sure church is fun from the youngest to the oldest person in the room. If you don't like to have fun, uh, you won't like us. So if, like, that's like, uh, um, if you're like, no, no, church should be, like, really serious, I, like, I could recommend a bunch of other churches that are really great, like, really great. We're just not going to be the best fit for you. Um, we're going to, like, we like to have fun uh, at church, and it should be fun, and it should be memorable. But when you take a step back, um, how many of you guys, like, remember being immature? Recently, right? Everyone recently. 
you, like, you probably rolled your eyes or you laughed at the ketchup bottle when it sounded like a fart, you know, whatever. Like you, you did like immature things that you like, just kind of like, whoa, I, still, I can't believe I still do that. But uh, we, we have those moments all the time. But there is like a beauty of maturing as well. There's a beauty of adding depth. There's a beauty of being able to see the world around us uh, like, we, like we should be able to. And that's what I want for our church. You know, um, I've been reading on this book called The Great De-Churching, which is kind of like an analysis of what's been happening over the past few decades. It's the biggest research project that's ever been done on like why people are leaving the church. And so often you hear people say things like, well, yeah, you know how it is. It's like when they go, when the, when the kids, like they're in a good spot and they go, to, they go to college and man, those colleges are so liberal and they're so progressive and they're so all this other stuff and they, and they lose their faith in college. Um, that is a total myth. Don't believe that narrative. That is a total, total myth, okay? Actually, um, the people that, that, that keep their faith the most, like statistically, are people that go to college, all right? So, so it, that's a, a total myth. And so it's like, well, then, then what is it? Do you know what the number one reason that people uh, leave churches? Parents. Parents. It's uh, when they interview kids, later on in life as adults, and they say, why did you leave the church? And they say this, well, it wasn't that serious for my parents. Like, they didn't uh, prioritize church or our faith or a lot of other things that were clearly priorities in our life. And they didn't make the time for church and faith and conversation um, and action. They say things like, I didn't see like kindness and generosity and like a goodness uh, from my parents. I would hear their conversations at home and I would think to myself, on Sundays you say you're this, but man, I see you all these other ways. And uh, it's the parents. And then um, politics, you know, people are like, it's gotta be politics. And politics can like factor in because people, uh, a lot of people are saying things like this. When things have gotten heated over the last, you know, decade or so around politics, I watched my parents respond and I didn't see them respond like Christ. And so I must have, I thought, well, this must not be legit. And so it's parents. And so if you don't have kids in the room, you're like, whew. (laughs) But there's a deeper thing that it's for you as well. And uh, for the kids in the room, for the students in the room, um, I want you to know that like you're in a church that wants to do this the right way. Uh, sometimes in spite of what you might see in your parents. It's a collective community of wanting to really let you see that um, this is a place that you can grow and that Jesus truly is the hope of the world. And uh, when you start seeing all these things, you're like, man, there, there's a lot of work to do. Like the, the next, like think about this, like the next generation is at stake right now. So when you see a middle schooler or an elementary schooler right now, and you walk through our church, and there'll be over 300 of them here today. So you, you'll, you'll see them, and I want you to just see them and, and like feel this. Like Their faith is at stake based on like what we do as a church. And you have a direct influence on that. And we begin to see, like, oh, this is a, this is a big deal. There's a lot to do. And all the narratives and all the statistics that are in front of us right now, it's like, yeah, those are daunting little things, but, but if we really believe that the, this hope of Jesus thing is real and that he died and rose again, then, then there's something on us. And so I wrote this phrase down as, as I heard a friend say this. I actually texted him this week. I said, hey, Cliff, um, 
I'm going to use a phrase that you said. I'm going to give you credit uh, this time. And, uh, and, uh, and he was laughing with me. And, and I was like, next time, I'm going to say, a friend said it. And then the third time, it's like, I was thinking about it. And, um, and so uh, there, there's this phrase that I heard Cliff say uh, a while ago. Cliff actually spoke here. He works with Crosspoint and he's done a lot of work with us. But uh, he said this, that we need to make church trustworthy again. We need to make church trustworthy again. And I started thinking about like, all right, that is my wish for our church. Like, to make church trustworthy again. And you might be thinking to yourself, was it ever? That's a reasonable argument. But there have been pockets of really good. There have been. And people have done it really, really well. And, and people have grown up in healthy church environments and, and have done a lot of work in their cities and everything. Uh, as a whole, has this ever been true? I, I don't know. I don't know. But man, there's been pockets of time and places where it has been. And my wish for our church is that we would make church trustworthy again. So that people could have a space to really grow and get to know Jesus. There's a story in Luke chapter 19 um, where Jesus, this is typically the Palm Sunday story, uh, but I was just reading and reflecting on it, and uh, the story is where Jesus comes in, he's riding on a donkey, and it's the significant point in the story of Jesus because it's, it's a leading up to his death, um, but there's also this point where they start praising and shouting and, and uh, Hosanna, right? Here comes, bless his name, uh, like the king that's coming, and, and he's coming in, and there's this moment where uh, there are some people who trust who Jesus is, and some people who don't. There's some people who trust and, and some people who, who don't. There, there are people who trust and begin to praise him. There are people who don't and there are religious people who don't. And you'll see this in a second. And, and are there reasons that they didn't trust? Yeah, there were reasons. There are a lot of reasons that the Pharisees, the religious leaders didn't trust. But there were people who trusted and then there were people who, who didn't. And the people that trusted got to experience the death and resurrection and began the people who kind of spearheaded the reality of what the church was supposed to be. And the people that didn't trust uh, actually killed him. And so uh, I want you to just hear, hear and see the story. I'm going to point out a few things and then we're going to sing and celebrate a little bit more. But look at this in Luke chapter 19. It says this. When he came near the place uh, where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully um, to praise God in a loud voice, right? So you, you begin to see this. It's like they began joyfully like praising God with loud voices. They weren't, they weren't coming in being, you know, as, as we'll see here, blesses the king who comes in. They were blesses the king who comes in. Right? Like they weren't doing that. Like they, in loud voices that there was something inside of them, a deep passion that was driving it for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of our Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees, now these Pharisees right here, they were the religious people. They were the religious teachers. They looked at Jesus and they said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. So the people following Jesus, the people who trusted who Jesus was, the people who were trying to form this community around Jesus, the, the other religious people who claimed to follow God uh, were, were like, you need to rebuke them. Now again, there are a lot of reasons that could have been the case, that they were saying this. But either way, they're like, 
we don't trust really what's going on here and you need to rebuke them. And Jesus replies, I tell you, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. Meaning like, listen, at the end of this, uh, it doesn't matter, everything is going to praise me anyway. So you can tell them to keep quiet, you can try and squash it all you want, but I'm telling you, like even if they didn't, the reality of creation praises who I am. And so something or someone's going to praise me and who's it going to be? And so as he approached Jerusalem, so he looks out over the city. And what does he do? He wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known in this day what would bring you peace, and this idea of peace is what would bring you freedom, but it's now hidden from your eyes. It, it's hidden from your eyes because you don't trust it. It's not real to you. And when it's not real to you, then your actions come afterwards. And so uh, we started seeing like, oh, there's something here. And I started reflecting on this passage all week long and, and I uh, wrote this down that the most attractive and trustworthy thing we can do is follow Jesus with humility. The most attractive and trustworthy thing we can do is to follow Jesus with humility. Uh, where does humility start? Humility starts with the goodness of God. That inside of us, is this constant recognition of the goodness of God in our lives. The constant recognition of, of seeing the goodness of God all around us. You might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't see it right now because it's been so hard and all of it. it's been a horrible season, a difficult season, everything. It's like, no, no, but even within that, to be able to see the goodness of God and who God is and how God answers and it doesn't take the pain away of something or the suffering away, but it's like, no, it, it orients our focus. And then when our focus is in the right place, even during times of suffering, because we have a humble disposition, where do we go? Our praise goes up. Our praise goes up because that's what's inside of us. And so there's this humility and surrender to the reality. The problem is, is so much of our faith is focused on who? Me. Me. It's, it's so focused on me, like even the language sometimes that we use, right? This is my season. For what? You don't know what season it is. It might be a wonderful season. It might be, but it might not be either. Like you, you don't know, but even like language that we use, it's like, it's all about us, right? It's like, like even sometimes some of the worship songs, we, we don't sing them here, but so, some worship songs to be like, it's like me-oriented, rather than praise-oriented, upward-oriented to who uh, God is. Um, you might have heard some people say, God wants me to be great. I, you don't see that in the Bible. What, what Jesus wants us to be is, is followers, to imitate who he is, to, to love people in such a way that when people like experience the love of those that say they follow Jesus, that the only thing that they can possibly say is this Jesus thing must be true. And that our kids are raised in it and they get to see it and experience the reality and the truth of the, the love of Jesus. Um, so here are a few quick things that I think are important. One, we need to trust that we take Jesus seriously. I want everyone to ever experience, we're gonna think about how do we make this like trustworthy again, I, I, like, I want people to know that we take Jesus seriously. 
We take uh, Jesus uh, seriously. When you look at these places, Asia, uh, Africa, Asia, South America, North America, Europe, and Latin America, um, who has the highest percentage of active professing Christians? Who thinks Africa? Okay, Asia. Okay, South America. North America. Europe. Latin America, right? Um, the answer is actually Africa. Africa has the, the highest percentage of, um, of active, like, professing Christians in the world. Uh, you know who has the lowest? North America. So, even on the front end, it's like, how do we take this? Like, we shouldn't be taking our cues from Western Christianity. Um, we should be looking around the world and seeing what's happening. And, and, and how they're living their life out and their faith out. And uh, we begin to see that, oh, like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Like, God's moving in all these different places all around the world. It's like, where should we be looking and how should we be taking this um, seriously? In this passage, when the people saw Jesus coming in, uh, there, was a, there wasn't a choice to praise. It was a necessity to praise. Those are two very different things. Two very different things. To choose, to choose to praise is like, I guess I'll do it. The necessity to praise is like, because of the goodness of God, and in this case, that Jesus is coming in, and they see Jesus, and like, we have no other option but to praise. So think about that. When we just sang, what, what was going through your heads? I have no other option but to praise like, that's the thought process about taking this whole Jesus thing seriously. It's like, but I'm not a good singer. Doesn't matter. God doesn't care. And somehow, again, if you want to know God exists, and I've said this before, like, stand up on a stage and hear a bunch of people in this room who majority of us cannot sing, and you start singing together, and you're like, what in the world is happening? It's like this beautiful chorus of things. And it's like, it, it's not that what your voice is like. It's like, what's going on inside of us? It's like, I, it's a necessity to praise. Sometimes we think it's optional. It's like, no, it's a, it's a necessity to praise. And so, um, if you can raise your hands for the commanders or the Hokies or UVA or the Spiders or the Rams, um, if you can go to a Taylor Swift concert, concert and just <laughs> tears flowing, right? If you want to pass out. Listen, do all of those things. I'm not telling you not to do any of those things. I'm not. But if you can do that, and for some reason you don't feel a necessity to praise God, you don't take Jesus seriously. You don't. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, and, I, and I've told you guys some of my story around like, worship. Like, I grew up in a super charismatic background. I'm a church where people were dancing, and, and that was the minor part. Um, but like the, and, and, and some of it was like really good. The exposure was really good to, to some of it. And some of it wasn't good, whatever. But um, there, I kind of went, my, my pendulum and faith like swung the other way, and then kind of coming back around to some things. But, uh, you know, I told you before, like I started off with just like hands raised here, and then eventually like move up, whatever. And 
But part of what, during that season of my life was in 2004, this is where I like really realized, man, I got to get my stuff together in my praise. And not at a show, but in the reality of what's the passion in my heart. Um, 2004, the Red Sox won the World Series. And, um, and so it was just like this epic moment, right? Um, they since have won several others too. But um, the, there's this epic moment that happened. And in that moment, the only thing I could like fathom to do was rip my shirt off in my house and like run, like, I was, like, excited, like, of what was going on, right? Now, I'm not saying to do that here. Like, if you do that here, like, someone's going to tackle you, right? Like, and tell you to stop. But part of what was being shaped inside of me in that moment was like, whoa, there's a lot of passion here for this, but why is that not there on a Sunday or in other days of the week with Jesus? What about in my singing and everything? It's like, no, 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 there should be a necessity to praise inside of me. And it's like, that's like, when I take Jesus seriously, that you feel it. There's just, it, it's like, I got to do it. It's not an option. It's like, I, I've got to do it. But I don't really feel like it sometimes. I, seriously, it's like sometimes even on Sunday mornings, like I'm excited to preach. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know that I, I feel like preach. But in those moments, like, who am I kidding? Like, I've got to do this. I've got to do it. There should be a necessity to, to praise. There should be a passion. There should be... Um, we take Jesus seriously. Like, like one of the things I, I was reading in the research was about how they would see parents like not having like generosity towards things. And I'm like, man, like we've got our uh, share offering coming up October 29th. Uh, that'll start that week. And for those of you that don't know, here's what we ask people to do. Uh, we ask people to, to give a day's wage. Just one day. One day of your year, a, a day's wage. And then we take all this money together and then we give it all away to all of our partners. And over the years, you know, we've been able to give away over $2 million, you know, in our first nine years uh, around this stuff. And that number continues to grow and build and everything. And it is a thing to be encouraged, to be celebrated, because, like, we're pretty good at that part of it. But at the same time, we have a massive room to grow. Massive, massive, massive. You know, again even thinking about like this uh, generosity for us as a church, like there is, we, we will share, uh, Joe like loves this conversation, everything. When people are like, hey, where does the money go? He loves talking about it. And we are open and honest and everything because we want you to like trust. You give to our church, you give to this church. If this is your home church, and I believe if this is your home church, everyone should like be a consistent giver to your home church. And, uh, and, and, and I really mean that, like it, that we should do that. Pick a percentage and start giving. And, it's, and I want you to trust what's happening here. We give a ton of money away and everything that we do is like trying to like help the city and create programs that develop people who will be deeper, um, more serious, resilient followers of Jesus. And, and we want you to trust where it's going, but, but it's like this commitment to want to see God do more. And that happens when we take Jesus seriously. Um, to serve in our community, like not just here on Sundays, but in different ways throughout our community with some of our partners. It's like, that's part of what we're doing when we're taking Jesus seriously. It's like, we want to make a difference. Like, so we show people the reality of who Jesus is and the love of Christ. Now, you might be thinking, hold on, this sounds so legalistic. You're saying we got to do more things. And it's like, I'm not saying it from a legalistic standpoint, but if you think Jesus didn't think behavior modification would happen, then you don't read the Bible. Like, our lives change in what we do when we follow Jesus. Like, it just does. I'm not saying from a legalistic to try and earn his favor or grace or forgiveness or anything. I'm not saying any of that. But I am saying that our behaviors change when we follow Jesus. And Jesus actually expected that. 
And so that, that is a, a thing in, in all of this. So we need to take Jesus seriously. The second thing is we need to trust that we're in this together. We need to trust that we're in this together. Uh, one of Lacey's favorite sayings is, is the idea of just showing up. Like showing up. Showing up for one another in times of great need, in times to celebrate, times when it's the worst. Um, showing up to, to games, showing up to people's life experiences, like showing up, being a part of things. Um, one of the core values for us as a church is curiosity. And this idea of curiosity is uh, we want each other, like, I don't ever trust people that operate out of certainty. Like, when they're certain about everything, I'm like, mm, you're, you're blind to something. And it's like, I want there to be like a, such a deep level of curiosity in our church because curiosity is actually trustworthy. Like, when you're part of your journey and your faith, and when we say we want to create a safe place for people to explore Jesus, like, we want you to ask questions, be comfortable asking questions, and then we go through this thing together. And in the ebbs and flows of our, our faith, it's like, no, we're, we're in this together. Uh, but Wags, that, that gets really messy, and the answer is, is yes. It is messy. And, and I would say this to the messy part. Hey, the if you've picked up the Bible and read it ever, uh, the amount of people that are clean cut and get it right, other than Enoch, Daniel, there's a handful, there's a handful, okay? Um, the other 99% of people were a mess and they were messy. And we just gotta be okay with it. And it's got to be uh, the reality. It, yeah, sometimes you wish people were further along. Yep, absolutely. Sometimes you wish you were further along, right? Absolutely. Um, but we're okay with the mess. Why? Because we're in this together and we're curious about uh, one another's journeys from the youngest to the oldest. My teenager's fallen off the handle. We're in this with you. And we show up for you. And we've got to figure it out together. It's like, man, my, I, we've had like so many more seasoned folks in our church um, who have, like, older kids. You know, said, like, my 26-year-old, I don't know what to do with them. I said, no, we're, we're in this, how can we provide space for that 26-year-old? So when that 26-year-old walks back into church, maybe for Christmas or for whenever, and, and they, they come in this building, they're like, there's something, people, like, people take Jesus seriously here. The curiosity, the love that's here, the, the way that, like, we're in this together. This is a trustworthy place uh, to be. The third thing is this, I want to trust that we care. Trust that we care. Uh, when Jesus came and he looks over the city, what does he do? He weeps. Why would Jesus weep over the city? There was such a deep level of love and concern for that city that the only natural reaction and passion for it was to weep over it. And I started thinking, like, can you imagine a church full of people when we drive around, when we're on our way to work, when we're whatever, we go up to Libby Hill and you look over the city or you, you're on your way to work tomorrow or you're on a walk, uh, pony pasture, whatever. And there's a part inside of you that like feels like, I feel like I might even like cry over our city and weep over our city because I deeply care about what's happening and that this love of Jesus thing is really real inside of me. And I want everyone to know and see that it's real. 
That's a trustworthy thing to begin to, to build up. And you might be thinking to yourself, because some of you have evangelists in the room, you're like, yes, let's go convert everybody, right? Like that's what you, you might be thinking. <laughs> Evangelism's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. But let me say this. The goal of the church is to follow the way of Jesus, not to see how many people we can convert. Share your faith, no doubt. But our goal is not to see how many people we can convert. Our goal is like, we want to follow Jesus so they can see the love and the reality of Jesus so that when I actually share, like Kenny just said, yeah, and like I know Kenny's heart and Kenny's life. People aren't drawn into Jesus because Kenny has some like incredible line that he uses to be like, oh, you said this, I said this, boom, got him, you're converted. Thank you, and you're moving on. That's not what it is. It's the love and the passion and the reality of who Jesus is in Kenny's life that's actually what's really attractive. So it's not about converting someone. It's like, no, 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 if we want to be a trustworthy church, I want to be a trustworthy person. You know what my heart is? I just want to follow Jesus with all that I've got. With all that's inside of me, people are drawn to authentic love, right? How many of you guys have uh, had authentic love in your life in any capacity? Friend, whatever, family member, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, right? When you experience authentic love, you're in. The fake stuff is what hurts. But man, authentic love... And people are really drawn to that. Is authentic love perfect love? No. No. But authentic love is trustworthy. So my wish for us today is that we would all take a step. Take a step in our generosity. Take a step in serving. Take a step. Listen, we've had some really cool things. Like, some, like our worship here is like, singing here has continued to like grow. And, and uh, I, I want us to be more expressive. I'm not talking dancing. Or anything, but I want us to be like, more expressive and engaged and passionate about the reality and, and feel like, man, this is a necessity to praise Jesus. Like, that's what, like, we're going to sing the song Blessed Assurance in just a second. It's like, this is a necessity to do this. I don't want any, I don't want a rock to cry out in my place. Right? It's a necessity to, to, to praise Jesus. You might be thinking, like, all right, give me the formula. Here you go. That's it. Follow Jesus with your whole heart. But what if I can't? Uh, there would be times where you don't feel like you can, but like just keep after it. Keep going. What if I'm not growing as fast as I want to? Keep going. What if I make a mistake? You will. Keep going. Your whole heart. But what if I'm not like actually like fully engaged in it, like 100%? You keep going with your whole heart. It doesn't mean you're going to be 100 out of 10 all the time. But your whole heart can still be in it. That's trustworthy. If your whole heart isn't in it, you become half-hearted. And half-hearted followers of Jesus push the de-church to be wholehearted rejectors of the church. Whole heart. Not perfect. Whole heart. Not even clean, because it's going to be messy. Whole heart. The next generation of people is looking for others to be like, is this real? Back in the early 2000s, uh, Laura, you can come up. Um, in the early 2000s to uh, even late 90s, the prevailing thought was to convince people Jesus was true. 
So you'd have like these big apologetics debates and everything. You can see them online. They're, they're cool to watch and learn a ton from them. That was the season of time for it. Now that's not what people are asking. People are, are not asking to like, for you to prove that Jesus is true. What they're asking is to show, show that Jesus is real and that it's real, that Jesus is real to you. That's what people want to see. This, this next generation of people, that's what they want to see. For our middle schoolers, our elementary schoolers, our, um, our, our high school students, like, I want them to see the reality, the truth in a church that they can trust, they can grow, that they can uh, trust that this Jesus thing is real and it's serious and it means a ton. It's the greatest hope in the world. And I want them to see and experience, and they have in a lot of great ways, y'all. That's what we're celebrating today. But there's a challenge to take another step because there's so much more to go. So I'm asking you to bow your heads. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing a couple more songs here. And I just want you to take a minute here. Where's your step? Where's your step in generosity, your step in serving, your step in passion, your step in praising, your step in loving? We all have steps to take. Or maybe you're simply realizing you've just been half-hearted for a while and it's time to be wholehearted. So God, as we sing here these next couple of songs, I, um, I pray you will burn a desire in our hearts that we'll be receptive to and open to, that we can make this church thing trustworthy again, not because of how great we are, but because how great you are. So God, may we be folks that embrace a messy community, messy stories. Um, but man, do people know that we love Jesus. We take it seriously and then it's real to us. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. We stand and sing.